Hello everybody and welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox Meeting of Adult Children of Alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Also, please take a moment to rate our podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. It will help others find the podcast. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting to attend, go to adultchildren.org and click on Meetings. This week we're hearing from the one and only Devin, who spoke about her experience with Step 2 in her recovery. Please enjoy. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yep. Um, hi, my name is Devin. I am an adult child. Um, so I, this is, I'm just going to be super honest with, with everybody. This is my first time ever sharing at an ACA meeting. Um, my full, whatever story, whatever comes out. Um, I, yeah, so I don't really know where to get started and I don't really know what's going to come out of my mouth, but I did ask my higher power to guide me through this. So let's see what, what my higher power comes up with. Um, so I, right now I'm, I'm actually, um, working with a fellow traveler and I'm on step two. So, um, I've actually been doing a lot of my step work out of the yellow, um, step work book. Um, and I will read a couple things out of that as well. Um, but I wanted to start by reading something out of the, the big red book. So I'm just going to go ahead and read and then I will see where my share takes me. Um, so I'm in chapter seven on page 135, about um, halfway down. <clears throat> there are other forms of adult child insanity, isolation and manipulation that we engage in, which usually leaves us feeling abandoned, angry or confused. Yet we try again repeating the same mistakes fueled by fear, our false self disconnects, discounts real avenues of help. The false self chooses to reapply old thinking and behavior that guarantees the same hurtful results we have always known in our decisions. Many adult children have a poor concept of sanity because our parents did not give us good examples as children. Boundaries were not clear. Punishment or praise were not consistent. Our parents operated from distorted thinking that clouded reality in the home. Their confused thinking created behavior that was inconsistent or uncaring. We came to believe that this behavior was normal when it was insane by the standards of decency or true parental love. In one uh, respect, step two implies that we had sanity and lost it when in reality, we may be learning about sanity for the first time in ACA. A helpful tip in working step two involves replacing the word sanity with clarity. By working step two, we regain clarity about how our family dysfunction affects us in our lives as adults. We gain clarity about our abandonment and internal shame. Many of us find step two sanity through clarity. We know we are drifting back into dysfunctional insanity or unmanageability when we find ourselves relying on the 14 traits of an adult child in our jobs and relationships. These common ACA traits are a great gauge of flying, flawed thinking, 
and reacting. They include fearing authority figures, people pleasing, judging ourselves harshly, feeling guilty when we stand up for ourselves, becoming addicted to excitement and becoming an addict or marrying an addict. We confuse love and pity and tend to love people we can rescue. We also can be the rescued. Practicing these traits is a form of insane living. Um, so I think I'm gonna just stop there and um, I guess I'm just gonna share a little bit of my experience, strength and hope. Um, I really loved how in the book, it, it kind of states that like step two is about clarity instead of sanity. And I knew I was gonna read that second to last paragraph because when I was doing my step work with my fellow traveler, um, it there was a question that had to do with like sanity or something. Like, do I think that my higher power can restore me to sanity or something like that? And I had brought up, well, I don't think it's like restoring. I think my higher power is creating the sanity for me that I've never known. Um, I, um, I, I've been sober for over eight years um, through Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm, I'm only sharing that. I was like debating because I feel like I'm just like weird around all the traditions right now. But um, I... Yeah, I, I I came into 12-step program back in 2012. I was 21. And um, I decided to um, get sober and work the steps. And I just, throughout my whole time um, in recovery, I just like realized that my relationships would just always be so bad. Um, I would just, uh, I just kept finding these people that needed healing, um, needed rescuing. Um, and I just would always think that maybe I had like a bad picker or whatever other sayings there are. Um, but I had kind of known about ACA and um, of course people had suggested Al-Anon. Um, I've tried other programs as well, like CODA and um, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous and, and whatnot. Um, but what really kind of took me to my knees was that I, I was just like, I was in this relationship with someone who um just was really narcissistic and it was a it, it was a, a long distance relationship but it just it kind of brought me to my knees and I don't really want to get into details about it because I just am not I just don't care um but it was just bad let's just say that and um it brought me to my knees and I started going to Al-Anon ACA Slaw and Coda all at the same time and and it was mostly because I was I was almost like shopping I was like which one is going to be the best you know and like, but in my heart, I was like, dude, like you need ACA. Like this is the perfect program for you. Um, because I, you know, I, I do come from an alcoholic home. Um, <clears throat> both of my parents are alcoholics. My mom is more the one that's in denial about everything. She would talk to me about um, her sex life. She would talk to me about, um, you know, like why the relationship wasn't working. She would talk to me about divorcing my father. She would, um, she started buying me alcohol when I was 13 years old. Um, so she was my supplier. Um, I started drinking really young. I was like a dumpster fire. Um, that's a whole nother story. But, um, and my dad was like the rager. I was just like afraid of him all the time. He was always yelling he would get out of work and he would immediately go to the liquor store and he would drink and drive all the way home. So I really never knew my dad at all as like a sober human. Um, and it, I was like 19 years old. I had a, uh, therapist that I was seeing 
who um, was like, Devin, um, I just want to let you know that, like, you know, not everyone's parents drink the way that you explain it to me. And I was like, what are you talking about? Everyone drinks. Like, there's no, what do you, what do you mean? Um, and so it was like this first realization of, like, family dysfunction, right? Because I thought that everyone's parents drank the way that my parents did, um, even to the point where, like, I wanted to be just like them. <clears throat> and um, I think there was just, like, a lot of dysfunctional stuff going on. Um, my dad, like I said, my dad was a rager. He was always, uh, he was always drunk. I never saw him sober. Um, we had bonded over one night of drinking together when I was probably around 13. We were listening to Led Zeppelin. So of course I got Led Zeppelin tattooed to my leg because that was my only connection with my dad. I mean, and I tell that story because it's like so true, right? It was like, oh, like this is the one little thing that like got me to like bond with my father, um, was drinking and Led Zeppelin. Um, it wasn't just like you being my dad. Um, and uh, there was a lot of like weird sexual stuff in my house. Um, my, my father would get really drunk and he would watch pornography in the living room um, and I would be around. And I just don't know if maybe he just didn't really know what he was doing or what was going on. Um, but there was just really no boundaries in the household at all. Um, and my family is very um, worried about body image and um, so I, I kind of have an eating disorder um, due to growing up in an alcoholic home. And so it's just, yeah, I just have all these like dysfunctional traits about myself um, that that I'm learning um, is also not my fault. And um, so I hope that's like a good enough qualification um, as to why I'm here. But I, I just, I wanna talk about like how this program has been changing my life so far. Um, I might get emotional. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I, I told myself I wasn't going to say I'm sorry today. Um, and I chaired my one of my AA home groups uh, yesterday, and I read um, chapter two out of the big book, and then I shared a little bit of my ACA writing, and I was, like, bawling. I was, like, a basket case, but I was, like, so happy and crying at the same time. Um, so um, I, I found this um, lovely woman who, when I, cause I was coming around to ACA and then I left and then I came back and I was raising my hand and I was like, I need help. And this um, prior, actually just really quickly, before I moved to New York City, I was listening to the Toolbox recordings um, prior to me coming here. So when I, was, when I first moved to Brooklyn, I was like, oh my God, this is the meeting that I was always listening to. And um, Anyways, I would tell a story, but I feel like it would just like give away who the person is and I just don't want to do that. So, um, five minutes. Oh, thank you. Um, so this woman like reached out to me and she has been helping me and, um, she, I, our, the way our relationship worked is that she would just basically tell me to read certain things out of the big red book and, she, and then we would call each other and she'd be like, what do you think about this? And like, we would just go through it. And, um, she just like showed me this amazing like amount of like love and acceptance that has just like really changed my perspective and like how I look at myself um and just like kind of separating like I might do something that's bad but I'm not bad kind of situation um and then I started calling this other woman and I thought that she had like all this time in the program but come to find out she didn't so I asked her if she wanted to be my fellow traveler because um um, it was suggested by my ACA sponsor that I do the steps through the workbook, but with a fellow traveler, because 
in doing that, like, um, we would be able to kind of almost like help each other kind of figure things out in the questions and whatnot. So we did like step one and it was really long. We did the whole family tree. We, we answered all these questions about the manageability and all this stuff. And um, at the end, like it just, it says some affirmations that have been really helping me out. So I just really want to quickly share them with you. Um, so there, there's, there's eight affirmations, but I'm just going to say a couple that were helping me. So, um, my life is unmanageable when I focus on others rather than myself. And the way that I looked at it is like, oh, well, I need to stop like judging my boyfriend that doesn't want to do 12 step. And, um, and then my fellow traveler was like, well, the way that I look at it is kind of like, I think that, um, like I need, when I'm worried about what people think about me then that's when my life becomes unmanageable. And I was like, oh my God, like this is why I have a fellow traveler because she sees it from a completely di different perspective as me, but it makes complete sense even though she said it. Um, and I hope I do the same for her. I think I do. I'm, I'm just gonna say that I do. Um, <laughs> and I can stop trying to heal or change my family through my current relationships. I can stop trying to change others. That's a huge one. And um, I can stop condemning myself without mercy. Um, so yeah, I'm like super, I'm probably like the most hardest person on myself more so than anybody else. And um, so working through this program, I feel like I'm starting to feel a sense of gentleness. And um, in terms of step two, I just, um, I just wanna read um, a question and share what I wrote with you guys. And I actually called my, my fellow traveler before the meeting and we just went over this one question. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it has brought a lot of clarity to me. So I'm just gonna read it. Um, and, I, and also, um, I didn't know how to answer this question. So I had to reach out to a bunch of fellows in ACA to tell me what it meant. And like the feedback I got was like gold. It was just like, it, it so helped me with like all this stuff that was in my head. So anyways, um, the question, it's on page 52 in the, in the um, workbook, this thing. Um, and it's um, number 17 under just step two questions and directions. And it says, have I asked my inner child or true self what sanity is? And I was like, oh, I don't know. So I called all these people and then this is what I wrote. No, that I didn't ask myself. Um, I did not ask, but I did reach out to fellows who helped me explain this question, which to me is a connection to my higher power. Growing up, I was taught insanity to not trust myself because I was consistently told I was wrong or directly or indirectly told I was not worth, um, I was unworthy. So my true self wants serenity, peace, freedom, and true acceptance of self, connection with a loving higher power, and much gentleness. And then I like sat down and I thought for a second, and then I said, well, what is my true self's like definition of sanity? And I wrote, and this just like flowed out of me. It was so cool. Um, sanity equals compassion for self, trust in self, and a loving higher power, acceptance, peace, freedom, joy, letting go of my parents' beliefs and creating my own beliefs, respecting myself and others for their own choices and beliefs. If I allow people to be who they are, then my struggle ceases. I then criticize, condemn, and judge myself less. When I let others be, then I can be too. And it was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've just been like, 
having like eight spiritual experiences every day now. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just being like whatever facetious, but um, I just like this whole idea of just like, like it's like almost like you're just like you take off this like big suit that's like weighing you down. It's like oh my I'll just wrap up by saying like I just I, I'm just having this realization right now that I just like I really just don't want to control other people. It's none of my business what other people do. And the more that I like pull into that, like and and, and grasp that about the situation, then I can like say oh, I'm living my life now because I can focus more on me, which is what I've been scared to do my whole life. And I just had this picture of myself, like with my short shorts on, my hair down, like frolicking through flowers with like glitter, obviously. And um, it, yeah, I don't know. So that's where I'm at. That's my experience. That's my strength. That's my hope. And I just want to end by saying that the reason why I'm doing the, the the steps and just moving forward is because you people told me that if I kept coming here and I kept doing the step work slowly but surely that that my relationships would change and I would change. So um, I'm just gonna keep listening to you all. So thank you. <laughs>